The Blunt Post with Vic. Good morning and welcome to The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, the editor and publisher of The Blunt Post. The Blunt Post with Vic is a program that covers national breaking and headline news, offers analysis and commentary, and I interview members of Congress and other high-profile public figures. After the headlines, I interview the Honorable Congressman Brad Sherman, who represents the San Fernando Valley right here in Southern California. Here are a few headlines from this morning and over the weekend. Former President Donald Trump was acquitted in his second impeachment trial on Saturday, having been the only president to be impeached twice, exactly a month and a week after insurrectionists incited a riot at the Capitol On January 6, Trump's second impeachment trial came to a climatic end on Saturday afternoon, with Trump being acquitted for his alleged role of inciting the deadly event. A majority of senators voted to convict the former president, but failed to reach the supermajority threshold needed for a conviction. Seven GOP senators joined Democrats to vote Trump guilty of incitement of insurrection. A grim new forecast confirms what experts caution amid declining COVID-19 cases and hospitalizations. When it comes to the pandemic, the U.S. is not yet out of the woods. Another 130,000 Americans are projected to die of the virus over the next three and a half months, according to the latest model from the University of Washington's Institute of Public Metrics and Evaluation. Despite lingering concerns, officials are hopeful the continued ramping up of vaccinations is beginning to shift the pandemic's course in a positive direction. So far, about 37 million Americans have received at least their first dose of the two-part COVID-19 vaccines available to the U.S. market, CDC data shows. About 13 million Americans are now fully vaccinated. The IHME expects 145 million adults to be vaccinated by June 1st. Uh, They said this in a statement, which would prevent 114,000 deaths. In California, officials announced millions of people will be added to the vaccination priority list, including residents at high risk with developmental and other disabilities and residents with serious underlying health conditions. The plan, which will begin mid-March, broadens the age of eligible individuals from 65 and older to ages 16 through 64 who are in those categories. More than 100,000 California workers face possible cuts to their unemployment weekly payments, potentially within a few days, according to a letter sent to state lawmakers. The revelations arrive at the same time state lawmakers have been waiting for Employment Development Department to explain why it failed to notify them about computer issues that could hinder $300 federal payments to jobless workers. The agency has been embroiled in a number of issues including missing benefit payments, bulky application system, and widespread fraud. Because of the state's antiquated computer system, Thousands of California workers who've been waiting and without payments since December and who are waiting for a $300 weekly federal supplement now will have to wait until March to begin receiving the enhanced benefits. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. Let's get blunt. 
Today's Let's Get Blunt topic is uh, nothing revolutionary. We've talked about this forever and will probably continue to do so. And that is this double standard uh, in the justice system where the super wealthy, the super powerful, and the famous get uh, one type of justice and then everyone else is subject to different standards. On top of this, people of color historically have also been, you know, subject to much harsher punishments, which continues. And of course, I'm talking about this topic because of the acquittal of Donald Trump for a second time by the Senate, although thankfully he's been impeached twice by the House. The good news was that several Republican senators joined their Democratic colleagues in um, voting to convict Trump, but it wasn't enough for the supermajority that was needed. When you look at the evidence, the plethora of evidence that's right there in front of you, in photos, in tweets, in writing, uh, in recordings, in videos, who would look at that and, and acquit him? It's just absurd. I mean, so many of Donald Trump's staunch allies have come forward finally and said that this is egregious and have agreed that uh, he incited the violence and yet he just sort of, you know, got away with it. It's just really frustrating to see this happen over and over again. And that's obviously not the only outrageously egregious thing he he did as a president. Uh, I was reading a story uh, on CNN on their website and this writer said, uh, you know, something to the effect of Donald Trump's dangerous last few days uh, in office. And I thought, what do you mean dangerous last few days in office? I mean, Donald Trump's entire four years was just reckless and catastrophic. You know, we'll have to live with the consequences for a long time to come. I mean, just the Supreme Court justices and, and what he did with that, that's going to affect us for decades to come. So, CNN, you know, this so-called liberal media, which is not, uh, writes that the dangerous last few days of Trump, really? <laughs> so everything else he's done was not dangerous? I mean, it's it's just unfathomable, This how some people just sort of bully themselves and just bulldoze and go forward and they get away with it. And a lot of people are afraid to stand up to them or write about them or report about them. And it's just it's not a good message. It's not a good message to uh, younger people and kids who are sort of like watching this saying, well, you know, if I have a lot of money and power and I'm sort of like, you know, bully and crazy enough that I can get away with it. You know, another thing I have to say is this thing, I've talked about this one time before, is how Twitter uh, in the last couple of weeks before he was uh, done with his, you know, his term, Twitter finally banned Donald Trump. Uh, permanently. Well, hoo-ha, you know, big deal. You know, you don't get the tiara for that. Uh, Twitter allowed Trump to get away with murder, not literally, but Twitter has suspended and has permanently gotten rid of people's accounts for maybe a thousandth of what Donald Trump did in his four years. Just the hate, the, the harassing, the targeted harassment, just all this crazy propaganda and lies that, you know, he spewed out and Twitter was his main tool. And yet Twitter did nothing about it until like two weeks 
before. They thought, well, he's going out of the office. Let's just do this one move. It'll be great PR, uh, a PR move for us. We'll get a lot of press, and we'll say, uh, yeah, we're not enabling a big bully. Um, so, you know, <laughs> it's too little, too late, Twitter. And uh, so it's just this continu- you know, just this continuous enabling of Trump that happened uh, with his Republican base and his, uh, his, some of his colleagues and some of the social media companies and on and on and on. And so now he's been acquitted for this, this crazy un-American violent thing that he tried to start or he started at the Capitol. So, you know, there it is. I'm, I'm being blunt, but I'm not the only one. It's, you know, a lot of people are talking about this, but we can't just sort of sort of say, okay, well, it is what it is and just say nothing and walk, walk away with it. Hopefully, uh, the state of New York will do what they said they were going to do and make sure that, you know, some sort of justice is served when it comes to uh, Donald Trump and the astounding, egregious things that he's done to this country. So there it is. Let's get blunt. The Blunt Post with Vic. Congressman Brad Sherman represents California's San Fernando Valley, currently serving his 13th term in Congress and has served in the House of Representatives since 1997. Congressman Sherman currently serves on three major House committees. He's a senior member of the House Foreign Affairs Committee, a senior member of the House Financial Services Committee, and a member of the House Science, Space, and Technology Committee. Congressman Sherman, thank you for being on The Blunt Post with Vic this morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Um, It's always a good day for a majority of the Senate to vote uh, to impeach and convict uh, Donald Trump. Um, Indeed. But, uh, of course, I don't think it was in the cards to get the 67 votes. Indeed. But uh, I think we've come further than probably expected by most people. I filed articles of impeachment uh, against Donald Trump. I was the first to do so back in July of 2017. Right. And I didn't think that we'd even get it through the House, but uh, we did. And uh, this is, I don't think we've ever had a circumstance where we've had seven uh, members of the Senate vote to convict uh, a president of their own party. So... um, the country has moved forward to some degree. Of course, uh, we'll have to see how the next few years develop. Yeah, it's uh, God. It took so much, so much four years of just destruction to get to a point where, as you said, uh, seven members of Senate, the Republicans, would vote to impeach a, a Republican president. And, and look, if this had been a secret ballot, there would have been sixty-seven votes. Yes. Absolutely. And we saw that with uh, Liz Cheney holding on to her leadership position in the House of Representatives. Uh, A whole lot of people who had taken in public the extraordinary step of not wanting to count the Electoral College votes from Pennsylvania and from Arizona. In effect, people who in public wanted to disenfranchise millions of Americans from those two states— when they voted in private, they voted to have as one of their leaders a woman who had uh, uh, not just voted uh, 
against the Trump position on the Electoral College, but had voted to impeach him. So um, apparently Republicans are better in private than they are in public. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, you, you make a really good point, and uh, I would be— I would be remiss if I didn't mention this. I think it's important to note that she's also a woman in, in a world where even as far as we've come as a nation in terms of women's rights and equality, um, women are still not making uh, the same dollar that a man uh, is, and they're still held to different standards. So for Liz Cheney to have really followed her conscience and stayed as the leader, it's really important because women tend to be sometimes um, subject to harsher criticism. They're well, firm and they stand their I ground. disagree with Liz Cheney 95% of the time. Right. But, uh, so do I. But uh, she was right on this one. Yeah. So let me ask you, Congressman, uh, just a general question, I suppose, is where we are today, um, February, it's a new year, it's a new administration. What's your perspective on the state of the country and how things are as we are now? I think 2021 is going to be a very good year. I think that we will get this vaccine out, that we will be watching the fireworks together in uh, Warner Center here in the San Fernando Valley yeah. uh, and in uh, Porter Ranch as well. And I think that the economy is going to do uh, better. I think our unemployment rate will be under 5% uh, by the end of the year, in part because I think we're going to pass a major uh, piece of legislation in March. And I think that uh, Joe Biden is going to have a pretty high approval rating, at the end, in part because he'll do the right things, in part because he was elected uh, just as a vaccine was developed and in part because uh, people tend to compare anyone to how well their predecessor did, and uh, that's setting a very low bar. <laughs> right, absolutely. I like the. I think a lot of people need to hear hopeful and positive things. So thank you for uh, saying that. So, in terms of what I want to note and not forget to mention is that you just passed the building up. Uh, Independent Lives and Dreams Act, which is really helping nonprofits uh, such as uh, Habitat for Humanity uh, to build homes and to really address some of the uh, homelessness and uh, lack of affordable housing that's happening. And that's a huge that's a huge accomplishment that happened due to your initiative. If you can elaborate on that, Habitat for Humanity was having a problem just providing homes for free uh, or at a very low cost to people who had never owned a home and uh, who desperately needed one. And so uh, this will help them tremendously uh, avoid uh, the paperwork uh, that was designed to make sure that some bank wasn't uh, taking advantage of a consumer. Uh, Habitat for Humanity is uh, um, virtually giving these homes away and, and really doesn't need to be subject to, to, the, uh, to the same complex rules uh, that are easy for big banks to adhere to because they have uh, computerized systems and uh, a whole gaggle of, uh, of attorneys. But that's just a small part of dealing with the homeless crisis. Uh, in the bill we pass in March, a big part of our focus is on making sure we don't have additional homeless people because uh, we uh, 
We're still in this crisis. People are still laid off. The unemployment rate is still high. And uh, we've got to extend nationwide the kind of eviction protections that we have here in California. And we need uh, to help people uh, pay their rent because there will come a time when there isn't an eviction moratorium and people are going to owe all this back rent. And uh, something has to be done to let them pay over time, but also something has to be done for an awful lot of people to to have the, the government help pay that rent. The first issue is let's not have more people thrown out onto the street. And then uh, we need to uh, to see an awful lot more apartment units built, particularly here in the Los Angeles area. Um, what little construction I see is uh, is luxury and uh, single-family housing and uh, four houses on an acre. And, uh, you know, can't say that's bad, can't say uh, that that's not a nice way to live, but it we, we really do need to, to see uh, some four- and six-story uh, apartment buildings built uh, that people can afford. Yeah, indeed. I think there was an article in Huffington Post about a year ago um, basically said that if about half a million units magically appeared in California, it would barely address the issue. Um, and that's a scary thought. But yeah, and... Uh, you know, you talk to people from other parts of the state, and rather other parts of the country, and they have a homeless problem there for people who um, have drug problems, aren't able to get any income. We have that here. And then we have people who are sleeping in their cars uh, because they can't get an apartment, uh, but are working 20, 30, sometimes 40 hours a week. And the rents are just too high. Absolutely. This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Congressman Brad Sherman. Congressman Sherman, you know, you are beloved, um, if I can sort of <laughs> probably make you blush now. But for so many reasons, you know, such a great leader in in. Los Angeles and the San Fernando Valley, of course, uh, and part of it is uh, also with some of your constituents who are of uh, Armenian descent. And uh, for for some of our listeners who may not be familiar, there was a an attack by Azerbaijan aided by Turkey on September 27th of last year against the Republic of Artsakh, also known as Nagorno-Karabakh. And you were one of the first members of Congress who stood up very firmly and condemned the actions of Azerbaijan and Turkey, uh, along with um, your colleagues, um, uh, Congressman T.J. Cox, uh, uh, Congressman Jim Costa, who I've interviewed before, and Congresswoman uh, Catherine Clark. And uh, you suggested the implementation of the uh, Magdinsky sanctions against Azeri or Azerbaijani officials. I don't know how that process works, to be honest with you. I'm just wondering if that went anywhere or that was just with the Trump administration, which, of course, uh, did zero to help the situation, President Trump or Secretary Pompeo. We're going to get a better uh, reception from the new administration uh, just by way of um, background for your many listeners who may not focus uh, on the caucuses. The Armenian people have lived 
in that area and a much more area than they live in today for well over four millennia. The the Turks uh, moved in about a, very roughly a thousand years ago. The Ottoman Empire uh, committed a genocide and uh, killed uh, between a million and a million and a half Armenians uh, during and immediately after World War One. Uh, and Armenian territory has been reduced to a, uh, a small Armenian state and an even smaller republic of uh, uh, Artsakh, previously known as the Republic of Nagorno-Karabakh. And uh, this is the last remnant of a uh, civilization uh, that, as I say, goes back uh, at least four millennia. The, um, the Republic of Artsakh was... Uh, technically part of the Republic of Azerbaijan as a result of actions taken by Joseph Stalin. He deliberately, throughout the Caucasus, and of course he was born in the Caucasus, and he drew the borders in the Caucasus deliberately to make more conflict uh, and to put populations within another um, ethnic community's uh, Soviet Socialist Republic. And uh, he assigned uh, the uh, uh, the region of Karabakh to uh, uh, to Azerbaijan, and uh, so uh, the uh, the Republic of Azerbaijan says it's ours. Joseph Stalin gave it to us, and that's uh, perhaps a rather bad reason for a uh, country to assert its right its uh, itself over. Uh, a territory inhabited by ethnic Armenians who, if they ever were under the sovereignty of uh, the Azerbaijan government, uh, would be persecuted, uh, if not killed. Um, That's why uh, decades ago uh, Arsak declared its independence, and uh, that's why we, uh, and, and was able to assert it successfully for uh, May, several decades, but as you point out, last fall, uh, Azerbaijan took uh, uh, aggressive action, created a war uh, where there was no fighting, and, and was successful. They were successful in part uh, because uh, of um, the uh, the aid they got from, from Turkey, and so the government of Turkey, the successor of the Ottoman Empire, the successor of the state that committed genocide against Armenians, went uh, facilitated uh, the ethnic cleansing of Armenians uh, from uh, uh, parts of uh, of Karabakh. Now we need to resume the uh, the peace process, and what we can't do is let this latest aggression be the starting point for negotiations. Right. Um, we need to go back to the Organization for Cooperation in Europe, the Minsk Group, which has been set up uh, several countries, including the United States, to uh, to work for a peaceful resolution. And hopefully that resolution includes uh, autonomy and self-determination for Karabakh and, of course, the safety of uh, its sister republic of Armenia. Unfortunately, there were these... Uh, reckless um, principles reached in Madrid, which uh, are incredibly one-sided and uh, really shouldn't be the road we go down. We need to uh, to uh, re-energize the Minsk group and uh, draw borders uh, 
that will uh, that will lead to peace rather than what we have now, which is a besieged uh, Republic of Artsakh that uh, has lost some of its territory and uh, and uh, is dependent upon Russian peacekeepers uh, to prevent uh, an even worse slaughter. Yeah, I I couldn't have said everything that you said better. Um, brilliant, your full understanding of the situation, the history, the geopolitics, and the current situation. And what's happening now is uh, Azerbaijanis are secretly, like sort of covertly coming into, further into Artsakh, and they are kidnapping Armenians, Mm -hmm. either killing them, or they are prisoners of war, or no one knows what's happened to them. Some of them are women. Yes, they're taking as prisoners of war civilians. Yeah. And they say there's a peace, uh, but they're holding their prisoners of war. And so you have uh, at least 150, probably more hostages, some of them being tortured. And uh, we clearly uh, have got to demand both from the administration and at this uh, OSCE Minsk group, a, a release, uh, a mutual release of prisoners, but there are very few prisoners being held by Armenia. Yeah. And we, uh, right now, you don't even have uh, the American Red Cross able to visit those that are being held hostage uh, by Azerbaijan. This is The Blunt Post with Vic. I am your host, Vic Jaramie, and you are listening to my interview with Congressman Brad Sherman. Yeah, even, um, even some of the guidelines of the ceasefire that was brokered by uh, Russia are not being adhered to by Azerbaijan. And this just happened like a few months ago, and I, I'm still stunned by the silence of the European Union, the um, corporation of, you know, the European Corporation, the European Parliament, uh, OSCE, as you said, the Minsk Group. It just seems like a lot of people didn't want to touch it. There were... 20 members of Congress here in the States that were very vocal, you being one of them, obviously, and Senator Bob Menendez and Senator, uh, Congressman Adam Schiff, etc. But for the most part, it just seemed like the world was just turning a blind eye. And of course, understanding that we were in the middle of COVID-19 and we were also leading up to the election. I, 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 I think that the people of Artsakh are among COVID victims yeah. whether or not they got COVID and they, those who did not get the disease because Azerbaijan yeah. took advantage of this worldwide pandemic to mm-hmm. launch a war of aggression. And you're absolutely right. The Reddit, the, uh, some of us are speaking loudly and calling for action, but uh, there'd be a lot more action if uh, the world wasn't focused on the pandemic. Yeah. My last question regarding that, and I also know that you are uh, tight with time, ah. is what, what's next? And what should we do and not just rely on our elected officials? we should push this administration to use the Magnitsky sanctions against individuals responsible for terrible human rights abuses. We need to provide aid uh, to the people of Artsakh and to refugees who are now in Armenia. And uh, we need to press uh, through the Minsk group for a fair resolution of this conflict. And we need to hear from the American people that although, of course, we're concerned with domestic uh, issues here, uh, that we want our government uh, to take a a bigger role 
Um, and finally, and, and this is a, a small point, uh, um, I've condemned and made uh, inquiries to the State Department about uh, Ambassador uh, Litzenberger, who represents us in the capital of Azerbaijan, uh, who made some like, yes. you know, like, congratulations on your successful war of aggression yeah. comments, yeah. which obviously don't represent uh, the people of the United States. Yes, I noticed that. I read that you had you had commented and voiced your opinion about that. Thank you for doing that, Congressman. Uh, before we go, is there anything that I haven't covered or asked you you'd like to add? I think we've covered uh, both the big news of the day and uh, the recent unfortunate news in the caucuses. And yes. uh, you know that I'll be working on these issues in Washington. Um, I would just say for those who uh, aren't familiar with me, I'm Brad Sherman from America's Best Name City, Sherman Oaks. And <laughs> for about 25 years, I've represented the San Fernando Valley in Congress. And um, we will have uh, um, some town halls for people in the Valley and uh, telephone town halls. And if you want to know about our next one, you just go to bradsherman.house for houseofrepresentatives.gov. That's where you go if, if you're interested in anything I'm doing or interested in the San Fernando Valley. Uh, I want to thank you, Vic, for for uh, for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for being uh, on the show and the hope that you gave us uh, and your time, Congressman. It was a pleasure. Thank, thank, thank you very much. Have a great one. Bye. Bye bye. That was the very distinguished Congressman Brad Sherman, uh, who represents the San Fernando Valley right here in Los Angeles. Thank you, Congressman, for being on the Blunt Post with Vic today. Before we go, I want to thank my extremely talented producer, Ricky Herrera. And uh, of course, thank you for joining me for another episode of The Blunt Post with Vic. Please tune in next Monday at 7 a.m. for another episode. For more information, you can visit thebluntpostwithvic.com. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Vic Jaramie. Uh, both Instagram and Twitter, my handle is at Vic Jerami, that's V-I-C-G-E-R-A-M-I. The Blunt Post with Vic.